Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Uh, I'm excited to, to, to get into this first sermon of the year. Uh, in fact, I'm excited to step into a new year. I really believe that this year is going to be incredible. And I don't say that in a backhanded way as if 2021 was not amazing. I know that there's a varying, you know, experiences represented in the room for 2021. Uh, but as we shared all morning long, God was incredibly faithful to our church in 2021. Uh, but, but I really do believe that we are stepping into an incredible season as we get into 2022. My, my heart is full. My faith is high. Uh, I, I believe that this is going to be a year of great increase and a year of great favor. It's going to be marked by the favor of God. And I don't just mean that for the Father's house as a collective group of people. I mean that for every single one of your lives. I think we are stepping into one of the greatest years that we've ever experienced. And, and I know that like every pastor says that. I actually said that at the beginning of 2020. And then I asked them to delete that message from our archives on YouTube. Because um, here's the deal. I know that there's nothing magical about like stepping into a new date. Like we're very much the same people we were three days ago. Reality hasn't changed just because the calendar changed. But I don't know about you. My, my heart is full and I'm anticipating something good this year. And, and let me tell you why. Um, I, I believe in the gifts of the spirit. We are a charismatic church. We believe in the gift of prophecy and we believe that the Lord offers, <laughs> there's the one prophet in the room said, Woo, okay, that's awesome. Uh, we believe the Lord gives a vision and, and he, he can give you pictures and stuff to illustrate what he's gonna do. And back in November of this last year, in fact, I can tell you the exact date. It was November 16th at 12.01 p.m. It was a Tuesday because that's what my iPad told me when I wrote it down. Uh, we were in a prayer meeting with our little baby staff of five people. And as we were sitting in that prayer meeting, um, the Lord gave me a picture that I believe was representative of what this year was going to look like. Um, as we were praying, I saw this picture of like a shoot of bamboo coming up out of the ground and it began to grow at this really rapid pace. And uh, as I was seeing that, I had no idea what it meant. And so um, in the middle of my prayer meeting, I got on the phone and I started Googling stuff. And people probably thought I was on Instagram or something like typical pastor, not even paying attention during the prayer meeting. But uh, I started asking the source of all wisdom and truth, Google, what's the deal with bamboo? How does it grow? And what I read became kind of a prophetic word for this year because bamboo has a very interesting growth pattern. You guys up for a prophetic word before we even start the message today? So here's how it works. Apparently, if you were to go plant a, a, a bamboo seed today, you wouldn't see anything for about three years. For three years, the entire root system, the foundational structure of the bamboo is being built underground in secret. No one sees it. But then in the spring of the fourth year, as that bamboo begins to shoot out of the ground, it grows at a pace that is incomparable to any other plant on the planet. It can grow up to four feet per day once it pops out of the ground. I mean, imagine that. One day you wake up and all of a sudden, poof, there's a four-foot plant in your kitchen. And as soon as I read that, the Holy Spirit said, this is what's going to happen in the Father's house this year. That's what's going to happen in some people's lives this year. We've seen some amazing growth over the last three years, but it has been foundational growth. It has been root growth that is being prepared so that the structure that God wants to build on top of that foundation can be sustained. And as we step in, in fact, I even believe as we step into the spring of 2022, that we are going to see some great increase and some great growth individually in our lives and as a church like we have never seen before. This is going to be a year of increase. And, and as I was praying that out over, um, over our church, and kind of reminding God that, hey, Jesus, you were with your disciples for three years on the planet. 
planet. And then after three years, you took off and the church grew like wildfire. And you said like a mustard seed, although it's the smallest seed in the ground, it becomes one of the greatest plants in the garden. And I'm praying some of this stuff out. I got a text message from a, a pastor friend of mine that I have not talked to in years. And he was praying for our church uh, just a couple of days ago. And he sent me this, this message. He said, uh, Joel 2.23 says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And he said, Tim, I felt the Lord prompt me to send you this encouragement. This year is going to be a year of advancement, and specifically fast-track advancement. Things that would have taken many months or even years in the past will be accomplished quickly. The discipleship process and new believers that might take six, eight, 12 months, you'll be astonished to see happen in three or four. Leadership development that would normally take nine to 12 months, you'll be astonished to see it done in six. This next year is going to be a year that God is going to put things on fast track for you, your family, and every member of your church, and all the ministry that God has called you to put your hands to. Come on, that's a good word for 2022. I believe that to be true. Listen, I, you know, I know that we've gone through our fair share of trials over the last couple of years, but there is something spiritual and something supernatural about stepping into a fresh season and going, I believe that God is going to do something great. Come on, how many believe that today? You up for, you for, for a great year? But let me just remind you how the prophetic works as we get into this message. Uh, the prophetic works like this. It is a potential promise, not a guaranteed promise. And there is some personal responsibility when it comes to these promises that are made from God to us, something that we must do on our end. The Bible has a pattern. It always goes, if you do this, then God says, I will do this. And there's a bit of a personal responsibility element to this, which brings me to our theme for 2022 and the series that we want to start this year out with. This year, I believe that God has called the Father's house to be a community of people like never before that lives by faith. Our theme for 2022 is by faith. All of God's promises are apprehended by faith. All of the things he has promised us in scripture, all of the things he's spoken to our hearts, they are laid hold of by faith. And I believe as we step into this year, God is calling us to elevate our faith like never before, to believe for things that seem impossible, to pray some bigger prayers than we've ever prayed, some prayers that make us like sweat a little bit, that make us a little bit nervous as the words come out of our mouth, because we know that the only way that happens is if God actually comes through, to trust him in ways that we have never trusted him before, to be those who live and who who walk and who breathe and who give, who, who speak the language of faith. I believe that that is what God is calling all of us to do this year. And in order to, to ensure that we are by faith people, we need to establish, just like the bamboo, a solid foundation. We need to ensure that we have a stable foundation of faith. And so as we start out this year in, in this series, we're going to be looking at a single chapter of Scripture for quite some time. You expository people are going to love me for the next couple of months because we're going to talk all about Hebrews chapter 11, what some theologians and, and scholars have called the hall of faith. And we're going to spend the entirety of our series in this chapter. A number of different stories represented in there, but I want to go to the first couple of verses today as we begin to, to establish a foundation that we can build on in the weeks to come. If you got a Bible, uh, you can open it up to Hebrews chapter 11, verse Verse one, if not, it'll be on the screen. And uh, warning, um, if you are the type that follows along in your Bible, I kind of mashed two translations of this scripture together. So like, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. If that's like, I didn't go to seminary, so they didn't teach me that I shouldn't do that. So 
I'm just going to do it if we're cool with that. All right, let's go. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. He didn't go to seminary? I'm leaving. Okay. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. By faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, and then the author of this chapter begins to tell us a host of stories from the Old Testament, people who lived these radical lives of faith that we are supposed to model our lives after. It's not simply a history lesson so that we can read about what other people did and go, okay, that's awesome. It is intended to inspire us to live similar lives. Let me say it like this, to write our stories that begin with by faith. So as we jump in today, I want to title this chat in light of that desired inspiration. I want to call this chat, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, because I believe that as we step into this year, there is a blank space following those two words for all of us by faith, fill in the blank. And we get to determine what kind of lives we're going to live this year. If we're going to live lives of doubt, if we're going to hit repeat on previous years, or if we will step into this invitation to live by faith. So, so let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the establishment of this faith foundation. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak faithfully uh, to your children. And God, we, we do believe that you are, you are dropping this phrase in our hearts for 2022, that we will be a by faith kind of people. Lord, we ask over these next couple of moments as we talk about some foundational concepts with faith that uh, we would leave this place inspired to do things a little bit differently, to shore up any area that needs to be shored up so that we are not living based on what we see. We are not living based on our previous experiences, but we are living according to the promise of your word, the promise that you've made to each of us. And we would live by faith in 2022 in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, I think that we all know that faith is a really important concept in, in Christendom as, as believers. Uh, it's obviously a phrase that we hear often or a concept that we hear explored often in this journey of faith that all of us are on. You can't talk about Jesus without talking about faith. The entirety of our doctrine is built on the idea that we have placed our trust in a man that none of us have seen with our natural eyes. And we believe that he came to this earth and he died on a cross for our sins, that he was immaculately conceived, born of a virgin, as we just talked about a few weeks ago. And he was born in Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth, 33 years without sin, gave his life on a cross, resurrected on the third day. I mean, this whole thing is built around faith. None of us were there to witness any of that. But despite the consistent nature of this conversation, if we're honest, faith can be kind of a, a difficult thing to define. We, we kind of know what it is, but what exactly does it look like to be a person of faith? How do you truly define faith? And, and I think that's why I love this description in Hebrews chapter 11. It's one of the most robust definitions for faith. In fact, I've fallen in love with it even more over the last couple of weeks as I've studied it. Uh, here's, here's the way that the author of Hebrews defines faith. He says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. As I studied that out this week, I, I learned something new about faith. Because that word confidence in the Greek, it's the word hypostasis, and it means the substructure or foundation. In other words, faith is the foundation 
whereby all of our hopes come to pass. Without faith, there is no hope. Let me say it like this. Last year, we, we had a theme, if you recall. We wrote a song about it, released an album about it. We called it Dare to Hope. That was our theme for 2021. And rightfully so. We had some reason to write out a song about being hopeful and recalling God's faithfulness. We were surrounded by hopelessness. We started the year out and there were hopeless statistics and there were hopeless injustices and hopeless situations and we needed some hope. And so by the Holy Spirit, we went to Lamentations chapter three. We read what the prophet Jeremiah wrote and we said, hey, we're gonna be people in 2021 that despite what we see, we're going to dare to hope. But as we spent the last year hoping, I believe that God is calling us into something new, something deeper now, something to build our hopes upon, something stable, something foundational. He's calling us to live by faith. And there is a difference between those two. Hope says, I believe that God can do it. Faith says, I'm going to live as if he's already done it. Hope says, I believe that God can call me out onto the waters. Faith says, I'm gonna step out of the boat into the middle of the storm. Hope says, I believe that God can heal. Faith says, I'm gonna make my way through the crowd and I'm going to cling to the hem of Jesus's garment and I will not let go until I get what I came for. Faith is audacious. Faith is aggressive. Faith acts upon what it believes. As my favorite theologian N.T. Wright puts it, he says, hope without faith is mere optimism. And God has not called us to be optimistic people. He's called us to be faith people. He has called us to establish our lives on an unshakable foundation called faith. And it is crucial that we understand that as we start out this year, because many of us are building our lives on something other than faith. And if we build our lives on any other foundation, it is only a matter of time before what we built on will again begin to crumble and be revealed for the condition that it truly is. Let me offer an example. Um, how many DIY people do I have in the room? You, you are, I will do it myself. I got YouTube and a brain and I do not need a professional. Any, any of you guys in the room? Okay, some of us, yes. I, my hand is raised. Um, I was not always a DIY person. I was a hire a professional person for a long time. And then we moved to San Francisco and I discovered that professionals are very expensive in San Francisco. And so I became a DIY person because I'm a cheapskate and I'm like, I will figure out how to do this thing. I got YouTube and I got Jesus and that's all I need. And so I started doing some projects around the house by myself for the last couple of years. And I would just like to let it be known that I am kind of handy now, all right? I have fixed dishwashers, I have fixed stoves, I have put a whole new drum inside of a dryer. Come on, somebody. I replaced a water heater by myself. I'm kind of a big deal now, all right? I'm a do-it-yourself kind of guy. I'm a real man now, and it feels good. But uh, this last Febu uh, February, um, I took on the largest DIY project that I've ever taken on in my life. Uh, I mentioned... Uh, last year that my family and I moved into a two-bedroom house last year. And um, when we moved into that house, we realized that we were going to need a space to work because both my wife and I work from home and uh, we needed a, a space where we could focus and not have to worry about the kids running around and being crazy. And so uh, we decided to build uh, a she shed or 
he shed, I guess in my case, uh, in, in the backyard uh, so that we had a freestanding office. And so a buddy of mine from here in the church, uh, we got together and drew up some plans and uh, we went to Home Depot and we bought all the lumber and all the sheetrock and all the stuff. And over the course of a couple of weekends, we framed up this office in my backyard and uh, we built a, a little office for, for my wife and I to work in. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm really proud of what we built. In fact, I brought a picture just to brag about what we built. So if you could, come on, look at that thing. It's a good looking shed right there. That's where every sermon comes from. That is the Holy of Holies at the Biddle House right there. Now, for months, this thing worked out great. And uh, we were able to study in there and the electricity worked and all, all the things that you would expect an office to do, it did. But I discovered last week that there is a problem when you do things by yourself. And that problem is yourself. <laughs> because you don't know what you don't know when you haven't hired a professional. And as it turns out, I am not very good at weatherproofing foundations of a structure, especially a structure I've never built before in my life. And so when Robin and I came home from uh, Christmas being with our families, um, I discovered that the foundation of my office was compromised, and when the atmospheric floods of San Francisco decided to fill up the planter box behind that shed, which I did not account for, much of that water made its way into my office. And so when I walked into that office on Monday, not only did it smell like mold and mildew, but it was literally growing up the sides of the walls, and the sheetrock was soaked, and all of the insulation was soaked, and there was standing water on the floor. And so Thank God for Oscar Tello, my man over here who runs hospitality. Someone who actually knows what he's doing. Uh, came over to my house, and instead of studying in my office for the last few days, uh, we were ripping out sheetrock and, and putting, uh, taking out insulation, and I ran fans and heaters and a dehumidifier in there for the last couple of days because your boy didn't know how to put together a foundation appropriately. But while I was on my knees... Uh, not praying, but cutting sheetrock out of the, uh, the shed. I had two thoughts. Thought number one, I'm an idiot. Thought number two, I wonder how many people are paying the price for a life that they have built on a faulty foundation. I wonder how many people are having to do what I did, deconstructing and reconstructing their lives taking things apart and rebuilding them because they have built on their own skill, their own ability, the things that pencil out, the things that make sense. And meanwhile, the storms of this life continue to crash in around their structure and it begins to crumble because they didn't build on the appropriate foundation. But meanwhile, the author here of Hebrews, he tells us there is a foundation that you don't have to worry about. It's a foundation that has been laid by a professional. It is, it is capable of withstanding the atmospheric floods of this life. Yes, pun intended. And it is the foundation of faith. If you will build your life on a foundation called faith, it will be unshakable. No pattern of this life will tear it down. You will stand in the middle of every single storm. It's available to us to build upon. But, but here's the problem. He, he defines it and he tells us we need it 
But he doesn't really show us where to get it. <laughs> he doesn't tell us where to source the materials of faith. How do we fortify our faith so that we can build our lives on something stable? And so what I'd like to do for the last couple of moments we have together is I want to look at a few different ways that we can make sure our faith is stable for 2022. Some ways that we can build our faith. And note takers, uh, I'm going to give you these, it'll be three of them. But the first one is this. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we are called to live by faith and not by sight. John chapter 20, Jesus says, blessed are those who have faith, even though they haven't seen. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, our key text, the author tells us that faith is the evidence, the substance of things that we actually cannot see with our natural eyes. There is a pattern in scripture, and you will see it time and time again, like oil and water, faith and sight do not mix. They, they, they just cannot coexist. What you see and what you were called to believe are two completely different things. And here's why. You've seen too much. With our natural eyes, we have seen too much. And if our faith was predicated on what we've seen, it would be watered down to a very low level. Why? Because we have seen the prayers seemingly go unanswered. We have seen the diagnosis end in death. We've seen the marriage fail. We've seen the business go bankrupt. We've seen the hopes that we had dashed. And because we've seen too much, we end up believing for too little. Seeing becomes like the kryptonite for our faith. We can't believe because based on what I've seen, there's no way that anything better could happen. So if we are going to be people that live by faith this year, we have to have the capacity to believe beyond what we have seen. To believe beyond what our natural eyes have witnessed. Write this down if you're taking notes. Faith comes when we shut our eyes and we open our ears. Oh, you, no, that was a really poor response. Let me try that again. Faith comes when we shut our eyes and when we open our ears. There we go. Okay. I know it's not a clock and it's the first one of the year and it's cold outside, but come on. When we open up our ears, Romans 10, 17 says it like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me preach at you for a couple of moments. This book is the source of faith. This builds our faith, perhaps like nothing else on this planet. This is not just some archaic collection of stories bound in leather that have no relevance to our current situation. This is the word of God. It is alive. It is active. It calls itself a sword. It is used as a weapon against your adversary. It can cut away the lies and tell you the truth. It can provide clarity for confusion. It can give you direction in your life. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 130 says that the entrance of your word, O God, brings light. Pardon the analogy, but this is like an inoculation. This is like a shot of faith for your life. Wait, you're going to talk about vaccines at church? How tone deaf can you be? This is like every single day as you take this thing in, your faith is built. This builds our faith like nothing else. I think that the reason that so many believers live faithless lives is because they are biblically illiterate. They do not position themselves to hear from the word of God. And since they are not hearing, they are not believing. They are governed by what they see because that's all they've got. But when we can tune our ears, listen to me, to what the word of God says, we begin to live our lives by faith and not by sight because we hear a greater truth than what we're seeing right now. 
I, I can see that the diagnosis says it might end in death, but I hear Second Peter telling me that I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. I can see the divorce papers on the desk, but I hear Mark chapter 10 telling me that what God has brought together, no one is gonna be able to tear apart. I might see that the business is in the red, but I hear Philippians chapter four telling me that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I might see like, oh, there's a lot of defeat and a lot of, a lot of armies surrounding me, but I hear Romans chapter eight telling me I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And if God is for me, then nothing can stand against me. Come on, I might see that the news is telling me there's a new variant out there and I have every reason to be afraid, but I hear Philippians chapter two telling me that I still serve the name that is above every other name and at the mention of the name of Jesus, everything else has to bow. So I'm not gonna be afraid of beta or delta or omicron because I serve the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning, he's the end, he will never be moved and every name bows before the name of Jesus. I'm not moved by what I see because I hear something greater. Is my ear tuned to the word of God? I am more convinced of what I hear with my eyes closed than what I see with them opened because I'm hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes when we hear his word, we need to prioritize this like never before this year. And I'm gonna make that very easy for all of us. Uh, you may have seen this on our, our app or maybe you saw it in our newsletter, but in 2022, the Father's House has launched a Bible reading plan. We are all going to read the Bible together. I am going to come to your house every morning and we're gonna sit down, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, on our app right now, if you, if you go onto the TFH app, uh, you'll see that the very first thing, the highlighted featured thing is our read campaign. And uh, we have created, actually David, I shouldn't say we, I can't take credit for this. David has created arduously, day by day, a read campaign uh, that mimics one with the Bible Project. If you've never heard about the Bible Project, they are an incredible group that puts together these little videos that kind of unpack the complexities of scripture and make it easy for everyone to understand. Uh, and so we've got a number of videos uh, littered in there as well. But every day, we're gonna read through the New Testament together. We're not gonna make you read through the whole thing, okay? Because I know that's a little bit daunting and there's some weird stuff there especially as you get into the prophets, but we're gonna read through the New Testament. It works out to be about a chapter a day. Everybody can do this. It takes five, 10 minutes a day to read through a chapter. And I wanna encourage every single person to jump in on that read campaign with us. Throughout the year, we're gonna be making references based on stuff we're reading during the week. And I think this is a great way, not, for, not just for us to unify together as a family, but to build our faith together as a family so that we can believe for some great things. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. And if your faith is crumbling, if your foundation is crumbling a little bit, you need this in your world every single day. Hear from the word of God. But that's not the only way we build our faith. Number two, faith also comes by fasting. It's about what I expected. Good, okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> faith comes by fasting. Uh, as you look through scripture, you will often find um, Jesus, well, through the gospels, you'll often find Jesus uh, criticizing his disciples or some crowds for not having enough faith, whether it was fear that they weren't going to have enough food or they weren't going to make it to the other side of the lake, fear that they were going to die in the storm, they didn't have enough money to pay their taxes, whatever it was, Jesus often looks at his followers and he says, hey, where's your faith? You of little faith. Why, why didn't you just believe? And yet, despite the constant criticism, Jesus never really offers like a prescription for the problem. 
just seems to say like, you guys should know better by now. You should believe more after all you've seen. And, and perhaps the disciples should have known better. Perhaps we should all know better based on the faithfulness of God that we've seen. But rarely does Jesus ever mention how we build our faith so that he doesn't criticize it any longer. However, there is a story in the Gospels where Jesus gives us a bit of an antidote to this problem. Here's the setting. Uh, he has just descended from the Mount of Transfiguration, and um, there's a crowd waiting at the base of the mountain for him. And among those in the crowd, there's a father whose son is possessed by a demon, and uh, it often throws the child into bodies of water or into the fire and tries to kill him. And apparently, this dad brought his kid to the disciples so that they could pray for the kid and see him healed, uh, but the, the disciples' prayers uh, apparently were insufficient. The, the kid was still possessed. And so in desperation, the father comes to Jesus, and, and he pleads with Jesus. He says, please help us if you can. And, and Jesus looks back at the dad, and he's like, if I can? If I can. Who are you talking to? You know who I am? I'm Jesus. I can do all things through me who strengthens me. Like, I'm Jesus, all right? Christian joke, you like that? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> New guy's like, what does that mean? You'll get it later. He's like, my, my, my ability is not in question here. I, I, can, I can do anything. But let's talk about your faith, sir, because anything is possible for those who believe. And, and this man responds back to Jesus with perhaps the most honest human answer in all of the encounters with Jesus in, in the New Testament. He says, Lord, I do believe, but would you help my unbelief? I believe, but I, I got a little bit of doubt. If I'm being honest, I have a little bit of doubt mixed in there with, with my beliefs. What a beautiful, honest answer. What a beautiful depiction of the human condition, this tension of faith. I believe, but I still have some doubt. And Jesus looks back at this man and he says, it's all good, I'll fill the gap. And he heals this man's son. Different sermon for a different day, but let me just camp on this for, for 30 seconds. It is vitally important that we do not put 100% of the burden for God to move on our faith. There are so many pastors and so many leaders that I've heard say dumb things that has built bad theology. Like, oh, the reason that that person didn't make it, the reason they died, the reason the sickness wasn't healed is because the people praying did not have enough faith. And then all of a sudden, we, our striving becomes the enemy because we, we didn't muster up enough faith for God to move. Listen, God's healing, God's provision, it is not some carrot that he dangles out there hoping that you can muster up enough faith and then maybe he might consider blessing you. That is not how this faith thing works. He is faithful even when we are faithless. And if there is a gap and we are honest, I believe, but I got some unbelief. He's not gonna withhold from his children while they're sorting some of that stuff out. That is bad theology. Please do not buy into it. Nevertheless, Jesus does seem to care about this condition called unbelief. He does want the faith of his people to grow. And so after this man exits, uh, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. They come to Jesus and they say, hey, Lord, why weren't we able to heal that young boy? And, and Jesus says, well, it was because of your unbelief. In fact, look at what he says here in, uh, in Matthew chapter 17. Because of your unbelief, he told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. But then look at this line. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. 
Now, this text has been wildly misquoted. So, so before our, we talk about what Jesus is saying, let me be clear about what he is not saying right here. Jesus is not saying here that there are certain demonic powers or there are certain, certain sicknesses that will not be healed or will not come out unless we fast more and pray more. He is not creating some sort of striving mentality to suggest that super Christians who fast and pray more than others have the ability to, to cast out demons or to heal sicknesses more so than others. And here's why I know that. Number one, when Jesus says these kind do not come out, he does not use the Greek word that is commonly used for uh, expelling a demon or healing a sickness. So this is a completely different word that he uses. Number two, when we pray for somebody to be healed or when we pray for somebody to be set free, whose name do we pray in? Good, that's the right answer. It's the same answer you give in kids' church every week. Jesus, yeah, we pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because his name holds all the power. If you were to come forward at the end of the service today and I was to pray for you down here at these altars, I'm, I'm not gonna pray in Tim's name. In the name of Tim, I pray right now. If I prayed for you in Tim's name, first of all, that'd be super weird. Secondly, you'd probably be worse off than when you came up here for prayer in the first place. <laughs> no, we don't pray in our own name. We pray in the name of Jesus because his name is what causes demons to flee. His name is what heals sicknesses. His name is what sets the oppressed free. It's the power of his name. So then to suggest that his name suddenly becomes more powerful if I fast more or if I pray more, when it's his name we're praying in, is at best really bad theology, at worst potentially heresy. No, his, his power does not change one iota if I fast or pray or any of that stuff. He is just as powerful regardless of my condition. However, my efforts, they do address potentially something that exists in me. And in this case, it is unbelief. Because when Jesus says to his disciples, this kind does not come out, but by prayer and fasting, he's not talking about spiritual principalities. He's talking about a spiritual condition. He's talking about unbelief. Unbelief comes out through prayer and through fasting. For whatever reason, Jesus has chosen the weapon of fasting to purge unbelief from the believer, to fortify the faith of the believer why? I don't know. Maybe because when we fast, we deplete our body of all of its natural resources. And we learn very quickly that we are 100% dependent on Jesus, that I can't do this in my flesh. I don't know. But for whatever reason, this is what Jesus has chosen. So in addition to a daily Bible reading plan, I want to invite you into something else. I wanna invite you into something we do every single year here at the Father's House in January. I wanna invite you to fast with us. Uh, we're gonna go on a seven-day corporate fast all together. Uh, I just signed you up for it. Do you see how I did that? It's great. It's the assumptive close. Um, but uh, I, I wanna encourage you to jump in at some level. We will start on Tuesday. We'll have our pursuit gathering on Tuesday. We'll take communion together on the 4th, and we will conclude the fast on the 10th. And if you have never fasted before, uh, there's a number of different ways to do this. If you go to our website or you go to our app on the resource page, there's an amazing little booklet, 15, 17 pages, something like that. It's called A Guide to Prayer and Fasting. My pastor wrote it. And in there, you will find a number of different ways to fast. 
uh, juice fasts or water-only fasts or fasting a meal here and there or fasting for multiple days in a row or a Daniel fasts or no meats and sweets. There's a number of different ways to jump in on this, especially if you have health conditions or maybe you have a, a, a career or a job that would make it impossible for you to go without food for an extended period of time. All of that is okay, but there is some way you can jump in just look at that, that guide and pray and ask the Holy Spirit, how should I participate in this? Everyone, I want to jump in at some level. And, and here's why. I think that there's probably a lot of people in our church that are in a similar situation as the father in this story. You, you've brought your problem to the professionals. You, you've tried to solve it in your own strength. You've asked, but nothing is changing. And you find yourself in that honest space where you're saying, I believe, but I also kind of don't believe anymore. I'm wondering if this is actually going to change. And I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, as you set aside the plate and you deplete your body, God is going to build your faith so that you can begin to ask with a fresh dose of belief. And all that unbelief is gonna be purged from your heart so that you can aggressively go after the throne of God and say, I believe again, Jesus, that you are able to fix this situation. Let, let fasting purge out that unbelief. So, so faith comes by hearing and faith comes by fasting. And I have very few minutes left on this clock. So I'm gonna invite the band for the third one and they're gonna give the illusion that I'm closing. Number three, faith comes by remembering. Faith comes by remembering. I love how the Holy Spirit works because we've talked about this all morning already. Like we didn't, we didn't talk about sermons with the band or you know the scriptures that my wife heard during... Uh, d during the worship set and came up and shared, but we've been talking about this all morning. Faith comes by remembering, by looking back at what God has done. Let's, let's conclude by looking at our key text one more time, Hebrews 11.2. The writer says, by faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God so that the things which are seen right now were not made of the things which are visible. In other words, before we are compelled to consider the stories that he's about to tell us, by faith, Abel did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Moses did this. Before he tells us any of those stories, he encourages us to look back at what God has done so that we can believe him for what he will do. To consider the past so that we can have faith for the present. We say it like this, write it down. Sometimes you have to look back to move forward. Sometimes you have to look back at God's faithfulness so that you can move forward into what he has for you. There is something about taking a moment and reflecting, as my wife said just a few moments ago, remembering what God has done, remembering that he has delivered you in the past, that he has provided you, for you in the past, that he has healed in the past, Suddenly, as you begin to look back, you begin to see your, your present problem through the lens of God's past faithfulness. You see, he's already done it before, and there's no reason to believe that he can't do it again. And so, if we are going to fill in the blank with the story God is asking us to write this year, by faith, I will do this. Perhaps before we write anything, we need to look back at the previous pages of our story and see what God has already done so that we can build our faith for what we believe he is about to do. I, I did this just this last week. Before I wrote out my by faith statements for 2022, I went and looked back 
at all of the fulfilled hopes of 2021. I look back at that list of things that I asked God for at the beginning of last year, and I just begin to reflect on his faithfulness. I said, Lord, I hoped that you would heal my daughter. And by your faithfulness, you spared her life twice in the ICU. I had hoped that you would allow our family to put down permanent roots. And by your faithfulness, you provided a home for us. I had hoped that we would meet together once again as a church and we wouldn't have to do it online. And on January 31st, we stood in the parking garage of this facility and we worshiped together. And right after that, our doors opened and they have not been closed again. I had hoped that you would give us an album so that we could declare the anthems that you've given to our church outside of this building. And because of your faithfulness, you gave us Dare to Hope. I read out Zechariah 9:12, where you said, come back to the place of safety, all of you prisoners of hope, because I promise you this, declares the Lord, I will give you two blessings for every single one of your troubles. I prayed and I hoped for a doubling and God, our church has doubled, more people got baptized than ever before, our team has grown more than ever before. I had some hopes that were fulfilled and as I look back at all the things I hope for, all I see is your faithfulness. All I see is that you have been good. So why would I doubt that the things you're placing in my heart for 2022 are just some glib confession without any faith? No, if you did it then, you can do it again. I have faith because I look back at the faithfulness of God. Now, and I know even as I say that, there's someone thinking, well, that's great for you, Tim. I'm glad that you have all those great stories of God's faithfulness. I do not. As I look back in the previous pages of my story, all I see is disappointment, all I see is unanswered prayers. God has not been faithful to me as he has been faithful to you. Well, first of all, that's a lie. You woke up this morning and you have breath in your lungs. So all you have to do is look back about an hour or two, maybe for those that walked in late today, 45 minutes ago, you woke up and you came to church and there was breath in your lungs. God was faithful to you today. But, but even if it's difficult for you to fill in those blanks on the previous pages, let me offer some advice from Uncle Tim you can borrow someone else's story. You can look at someone else's story to build faith for your own. You can look at what God has done for someone else and build faith for yourself. How did the author start this whole chapter out? He said, by faith, the people of old earned a good reputation so that they began to believe that the things that they see currently were not made of the things that they've seen. In other words, all the stories I'm about to tell you are not my stories. Every one of the stories the authors tells, these are not autobiographies. These are events that took place thousands of years before he was ever on the planet. And yet looking at God's faithfulness in the past somehow gave him the capacity to believe for what God was going to do in the present. So if you've got a bunch of blank spaces in your life, that's cool. Just look back at what God has done in somebody else's life. Look back at what he has done in the lives that are represented here in scripture. And I promise you, even if you look at someone else's story, you'll have faith for your own. Do not let this year be a, a place where the blank stays blank because of doubt. Let's fill it in by faith this year. Let's fill it in by faith this year. I'm out of time. Bow your heads, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we believe. We believe that you're calling us into new spaces. We believe that you're calling in us into something deeper. And right now, uh, we ask, just as that man asked in Matthew chapter 17, if there's any areas of unbelief, would you help us with that? If we're afraid to write down on the paper, this is what I believe God is going to do because it seems too audacious. It seems too impossible, too unbelievable. 
God, we just repent of that right now. We want to believe for the impossible this year. We want to ask, seek, knock again for those things that we have asked for in the past, but maybe we've gotten tired of asking because we haven't seen the door open. We haven't seen the breakthrough. May this be the year, God, where our reality aligns with our confession of faith. I pray for a fresh measure of faith in every person that calls the Father's house home. Help us to believe for things that seem ridiculous, seem impossible. And as we look back at the end of this year, may we see your faithfulness once again. As we conclude today and every head is bowed and every eye is still closed, I just want to take a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, hey, Tim, um, the, the first by faith decision I need to make, the first blank I need to fill in is I, I, I've been distant from God. Uh, maybe you're back at church today with a New Year's resolution or maybe you've been out for a little while and someone invited you, however you got here today, if, if you would say in your heart, man, I'm distant from God and I, I need to get things right with him at the beginning of this year. I wanna pray a simple prayer of commitment with you before we conclude and no one's looking around, but as we pray that, if that's you, you need to get things right with Jesus, would you quickly lift up your hand and look at me so that I can pray with you? Got you right there, ma'am. Got you right there, bro. Yeah, awesome, right there. Yeah, right, right there, awesome, yeah. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're gonna pray this out. You can just pray it in your heart. Uh, you don't have to say it out loud. Uh, just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I commit myself to you this year. Help me to follow you. Help me to be your disciple. Forgive me of my past and all that it represents and set my feet on a course to seek you for the rest of my days. I, I know that the, the, the foundation I've built on is, has been faulty but today I choose to build upon the unshakable foundation of Jesus Christ. Come and be my Lord and Savior. I give all of myself to you and I receive all of you in return. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come on, can we just give it up for those making that decision this morning? Hallelujah. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.